Matthew 26. Let's go down to verse 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time on, he sought opportunity to betray him. Keeping that same chapter and drop down to verse 20. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Surely I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each one of them began to say, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for him if he had never been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said to him, You have said it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for your blessings, for allowing us to be here tonight. I thank you for the faithfulness of your folks that come out on a chilly Sunday evening just because they love you. Bless them because of that. Bless their families because of that. Lord, bless us tonight uh, with a special measure of your spirit, teaching us from your word and let us apply it and grow from it. And Lord, as you do these things for us, we'll be careful to praise your name as we leave this place. In Christ's name, amen. wanted to look at uh, Judas tonight. Judas was a fellow, I think, who knew the cost of things but didn't know the value of anything. Judas is probably the greatest betrayer in the history of mankind. In, in America, uh, they call you a Judas, and that's not a compliment. Uh, and the only thing that, that they uh, comes close to that is to call you a Benedict Arnold, okay? That's our history. But why would he do that? What possessed Judas to do what he did? Uh, A.W. Tozer wrote a little book that says, I Talk Back to the Devil. And in it, he says that money often becomes between God and men. If you uh, want to realize how little money it takes to come between uh, you and something else, um, he said, try this experiment. Take two dimes, put them very close to your face like this, and whatever beauty you were going to look on, you can't see for 20 cents. And he said, there's nothing wrong with money. If you keep it in the right perspective. And I think that right relationships with God uh, result from right priorities. Right relationship with God results from right priorities. And, and, and by that I mean if, if we have our priorities correct, money doesn't come between us and God. Relationships don't come between us and God. Power, fame, uh, whatever you want to say doesn't get in the way of us and our God. If our priorities are correct. And so let's look and see some things that, that uh, we don't want to be like Judas. And some things we need to guard against. The first one is out of those uh, passages I read. We're like Judas when we put money above the master. We're like Judas when we put money above the master. Uh, point A is treasure. See, Jesus had always taught that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
Okay? And it, that's very uh, clear. And true treasure is not found in money or, or things. It's found in the kingdom of God and kingdom work. And uh, it's not what we can acquire here. Uh, the old saying, he who ends the game with the most toys wins is not true. Okay? That's just in the way it is. And so I think what we have to do is remember Jesus never, I mean, Judas never learned that lesson. Uh, money was always more important to him. We need to understand, have we learned that lesson? Uh, you know, what do we truly value? It works like this. If you truly value God, and if I truly value God, that's where our heart is. And it shows up in our lifestyle that we value God. If we um, treasure power or position or prestige or wealth or fame or relationship, that becomes our priority. And it doesn't take long for folks to realize what we really treasure in our lives. And then there's the truth. The truth was Judas was a thief. John 12, 6 says that he kept the money changing and he didn't care a bit that they'd spent so much money anointing Jesus. What he cared for was it wasn't going into the box because he used to take what was in it. He was a thief. And so his treasure was actually money. But you see, anytime we put money above the master, we're like Jesus. And say, well, I would never do that. 1 Timothy 6.10 reminds us of this. It says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money itself, but the love of money. Uh, For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You see, money is perfectly okay. It's when it becomes our priority that it becomes not okay. You see, Judas... Put money before the master, and we need to ask if we have we have we where's our treasure at? Where's our heart at? We need to ask ourselves that. I didn't agree with everything that uh, H. Russ Perot, I can't say his name, always said. He's dead and gone now. He ran for president a couple of times and lost. But he did say this one time in a meeting, and I thought this was interesting coming from a billionaire. He said, Guys. Just remember, if you get real lucky, if you make a lot of money, you can go out and buy a lot of stuff. But when you do, it's going to break. He said, you can get the biggest, fanciest mansion in the world, and it has air conditioning. It has a pool. It has motors to raise and lower your garage door. He said, all you got to realize is think of all the pumps and motors that are going out very soon, and it'll take the edge off what you want that. He went on to say, he said, if you don't believe me, he said, go to any uh, little harbor where they get these big yachts and they put them in the slips. He said, you can go out there early in the morning and somebody's got a sour look on the face. And he said, I can tell you exactly what happened. The microwave broke, the motor went out, something broke, and paradise is no longer paradise. He went on to say, you can work and you can buy things, but he says, that doesn't mean happiness. Everything wears out. And I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, coming from a a billionaire. You see, we need to ask, where is our heart? Where are our hearts collectively? You see, I think it shows up in a Baptist church in business meeting. And it shows up in questions. Now, very seldom have I been asked, is this God's will? Very seldom have I been asked, how will this help the ministry? Very often I have been asked, how much will it cost? 
Now, I know that it's unreal not to know the cost of things. But you see, if it's going to be used for God's glory, I think that's the wrong question. The question is always is, does God want us to do this at this time? That's the proper question. You see, because if we're not, we're in danger. Now, hear me. We're in danger of putting money before the master. God provides for what we need. Amen. And what we need in kingdom work is more important than our own comfort. It's more important than anything else if that's where our heart is. All right. And if you don't know what kingdom work is, we can teach you that. The second thing is this. We're like Judas when we pass up opportunities to respond to God. If you can, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. We are like Judas when we pass up opportunities to respond to God. Mark 14, beginning with verse 18. I'm really going to begin at verse 17. So, In the evening, he came with the twelve. And as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and said to him one by one, Is it I? Another said, Is it I? And he answered the one and said, It is, it is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written, But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man not to have ever been born. You see, what amazes me is that think of all the opportunities Judas had to get things right. He was with the master, with Jesus, for three and a half years. He heard all the same words that the other 11 heard. He saw all the same miracles. And yet his heart remained untouched. He didn't take uh, today as today. He was always looking for something more. When the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6... Verse 2, for he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. I wonder whether it was pride or stubbornness or greed or what, but he constantly would not accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So that's awful judgmental. Now, when you read the book of Acts, it says that he hung himself and, and evidently hung there long enough that when the rope broke, he fell and his entrails burst out. Uh, Paul teaches us in that same book of Corinthians that there is such a thing as sorrow that doesn't lead to repentance and godly sorrow which leads to repentance. As far as we know, Judas never repented. And it tells me, to seize the day, to seize our opportunity. What do I mean by opportunity? Opportunity is what Isaiah 55, 6 says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You see, many folks that come to our church Sunday after Sunday sit there and don't take advantage of an opportunity to respond to God. Now, before we look at them and say, oh, they should have done that. They're really messing up. How many opportunities do we take where we feel God moving and we just aren't quite ready to respond? Or we just say, God, I'll do that another time when there's not so many people. Or God, not right now. God, that's, I'm going to be late for lunch. Or I've got other things to do. And you see, we need to not be like Judas because when an opportunity comes to respond to God, that may be time to, re- to repent. 
It may be a time to praise. It may be a time uh, uh, just to pray for others because God's laid them on our heart. But are we responding when he gives us that opportunity? Think about Judas time after time after time. He said, no, no, no. Now, what do I believe? I believe Judas is in hell right now. And his main torment, he thinks of every chance he ever had to repent and get it right. He thinks about how in the world could he have done that to Jesus. We need to respond when we have a chance. There's a third thing. We're like Judas when we presume, we presume that God will not forgive. We're like him when we presume God will not forgive. I chose Matthew 27, 1 through 10 uh, for that scripture. If I can get there. Matthew 27, it says in verse 1, The morning came, when morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. When they had bound him, they led him away to be delivered to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Notice verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful. Didn't say repentant. And brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. He threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. They consulted together and bought with them a potter's field to bury strangers in. Don't you think that's probably where they intended to bury Jesus? Because a potter's field would be somewhere where they'd just throw the bodies. Sometimes not even burying them. Therefore, that field had been called, has been called the field of blood to this day. And this was fulfilled, what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. You see, we're like Judas when we think God won't forgive. Scripture's testimony is uh, very different than that. Many times think God didn't going to forgive us. God can't. He won't. He'll refuse. But Scripture's testimony says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, He has removed our transgressions. Isaiah 43 verse 25 says this, I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. You see, Scripture's testimony is when we come to God in repentance, He forgives us. In the New Testament, we, we know or should know every Christian should try to memorize 1 John 1, 9. When we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, it's our decision. We have to decide to come to God. We have to 
ask for forgiveness. And a lot of people refuse to do that. Either because they don't think they need forgiveness or because they're unwilling to do so. Joshua 24.15 talked about our choice when it says it this way. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You might have heard the name John D. Rockefeller. Uh, He was the billionaire who built the Standard Oil Empire. And Rockefeller was a man who demanded high integrity, high performance from his company executives. One day, uh, one of those executives made a $2 million mistake. And at the company offices, everybody had heard about it and wondered how long it would be before he was fired. And they were sure that Rockefeller was so upset about a $2 million mistake that everybody was scurrying away and busy in meetings or something so they didn't have to run into him, except for the fella who had made the $2 million mistake, and it was already on his calendar that he had to go talk to his boss. So he walked in. He was a little nervous. He approached Rockefeller's desk, and Rockefeller looked up from a piece of paper he was writing on. Didn't say a word and went back to writing. The guy said, oh, no, it's my termination slip. He just knew he had had it. He said, I guess you've heard about the $2 million mistake our friend made. He said all at once. Yes, he expected Rockefeller to explode. Well, I've been sitting here listing our friend's good qualities on this sheet of paper. And I've discovered that in the past he has made us many more times the amount that he lost us today by his one mistake. His good points, as far as I can tell, outweigh his bad points in this one human error. So I think we ought to forgive him. What do you think? And we approach God the same way, thinking, oh, he's going to blow up. Oh, he's not going to forgive. Oh, I've messed up again. And nothing can be further from the truth because when we repent and ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So when we think about Judas, and believe me, what he did was a heinous, heinous, heinous. How do I say it, Elizabeth? Heinous? Okay, she says, don't talk to me. Heinous crime, okay? But we don't want to be like him. So we need to remember not to put money before the master. We need to remember not to pass up opportunities to respond to our God. And we need not to presume That God's forgiveness is beyond us. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes tonight. Maybe you just need to ask yourself, where's my heart? Is it right next to my master? Is it where it's supposed to be? Maybe you just need to come and rededication and say, I just need to feel more of the Holy Spirit guiding my life. Maybe you need to come and join this church by baptism or statement or letter. Maybe you haven't accepted Christ and you need to do that. Maybe you just need to surrender some things to God today. That you don't want to be like Judas. And I don't want to be like Judas. So I'm going to pray and we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And you come as you need to come. Father, thank you for today, for your word for how you've blessed us, Lord, with our Christian brothers and sisters here to worship you. Father, now you have your way with us. Let us make the decisions that would honor and glorify 
Jesus. For it's in his name I pray. Amen.